of the Second and Gold Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host, here with your co-host, Chris, the fantasy expert. And today, we'll be giving you sort of an off-season, way-too-early fantasy preview for 2020. So we'll be giving you some – there's 10 free agency questions that we brought up that we'll go over um, about various free agents and their fantasy value. Then we'll do some rankings talk about our rankings that we have on our website. Uh, the website link is in the description of our podcast. And uh, so we'll have some rankings talk about that. And my rankings are complete. Chris is almost done with his. So you can find all that and some articles on our website as well. And then we'll end the show with each a breakout and a bust that we predict for 2020. So I guess uh, let's get started. Chris, first episode ever. Are you excited? Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah, we've waited for so long. But now we're finally on the air. This is epic. I love this. So let's get started. So we have 10 free agency questions, as mentioned. And uh, these are about people who might move in free agency or might have teammates move in free agency or might have signings on their team in free agency. And we'll start with Austin Eckler of the Chargers. So he was very, he was amazing while Melvin Gordon was out. When Melvin Gordon came back, he still performed about RB2 level production in non-PPR, which is what we cover. He was a little bit lower than obviously in PPR. But he was still good even with Gordon there. So with Gordon likely to leave uh, Los Angeles, Eckler's value could skyrocket. Or if they sign another RB, say, such as Jordan Howard, it could like maybe stay in the RB2 to RB1 range. So what do you foresee, Chris, if they sign like someone like Jordan Howard? Like what would Austin Eckler's value be? Austin Eckler, he immediately jumps up a lot more with someone like you think about the comparison between Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. There's just there's not much of a comparison there. And Austin Eckler, he's just, he was so good when Melvin Gordon was out. And just Jordan Howard seems like he's kind of, he's getting, he's not getting any better. Or yeah. Yeah, he's, he's still got, young, but he is. He's still young, but I just, he's not a, he's not a big play, like, kind of player, I feel like. like yeah, he's, he's not. He won't be the type of guy who takes over. Enough, he's not consistent enough to, like, take over the Chargers' backfield. So I think it'll be mainly left to Austin Eckler, especially with how the, well, he did last season. I'm sure the coaches know how good he is. So I think, yeah, and I, I think he can definitely be in the RB one discussion. Definitely. Yeah, I, I would think, especially if they don't sign a wideout, but like he can still be a high end RB two, splitting carries or maybe even bordering on RB one if splitting carries with Jordan Howard and catching passes as he proved. And then mm-hmm. in PPR leagues, his value skyrockets even more because he had so many receptions last year. So I do like him. I would not predict like oh he was like insane with Melvin Gordon out so he's gonna be top three RB this year but I do like his potential it does seem likely though that the Chargers are at least gonna sign somebody to go in that backfield so next we've got Derrick Henry and Derrick Henry is demanding like apparently a lot of money from uh, Tennessee I think I heard like six years and 90 million at a minimum or something something ridiculous yeah what, what is he getting again do you know uh, I thought he got like 15 million a year. Like that's, I think that's like pretty much Zeke's contract per year, but like that's his minimum. But I think it's different for the Titans than it is for like the Cowboys or the Chargers because Derrick Henry is really the centerpiece of their offense. So it seems yeah. more likely that he'll re-sign. So Chris, do you think he'll, Derrick Henry will come to the Titans? Or, and if not, where will he go? I think he will. I think he, just how the, the Titans have kind of believed in him. Like, and now he's starting to show how good he is. I mean, Zeke had a contract for six years, 90 million too. So I think that's like a realistic something. And eventually the Titans are going to have to accept that he's one of the top RBs in the league and they're going to have to sign him to a big contract. So, yeah. but I think he wants to play with Ryan Tannehill and that young offense. And they've kind of, he, he's been with them his entire NFL career so far. And I think if I was him, I think he feels kind of like he wants to stay, especially with how well they did last year. And the Titans really need him back. Like Ryan Tannehill, while he was a good quarterback, I don't think it's, he can carry an offense. So it's kind of difficult though, because they've got a Tannehill's a free agent too. And we'll talk about him in a little bit, but he could get the franchise tag, I believe. But then whatever he gets, it's kind of hard for them to sign Tannehill and Henry to a long-term deal, which makes possibly at least one of them an interesting free agent target. So maybe no. Der- go, go ahead. So, well, so uh, actually you just go, go ahead. All right. So, yeah, I mean, I think just Henry, Henry's value is all he's one of the most dominating backs, if not the most dominating in the entire league. So wherever he goes, I think he'll be really good. But he to be truly like top tier in fantasy, like hit, to reach my hit number three ranking that I gave him for non PPR leagues and running backs, uh, to reach that he really has to be the centerpiece of the offense. 
Yeah, and I think that he should be the priority for the Titans. I mean, the leading rusher, how he he basically put the team on his back in the playoffs and took them all the way to that uh, AFC champ. Was it AFC championship? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he really exploded in the second half of the season. So next we've got uh, Tom Brady. And Tom Brady, I think, is sort of slowly becoming fantasy irrelevant, which is kind of crazy. Think about it. The best quarterback of all time becoming fantasy irrelevant. But, like, irrelevant. So, like, he's sort of may not be, no matter where he goes, it's possible he doesn't really have an effect. Depending on the weapons they put around him, he could have a good effect in fantasy. But I think he will uh, – do you think he'll sign with New England? Or what do you think, Chris? I – my opinion is that I think he's going to go back to New England, but I think it would be interesting, and I'd like to see him maybe go to the Chargers just to see what he can do with Austin Eckler. And then you talk about having a second back like Jordan Howard because, like, I feel like with Austin Eckler and if they can get maybe a good receiver from the draft or something, that that offense around Tom Brady could be pretty deadly. Yeah, I think it has to depend because he's not in the elite tier of quarterbacks anymore. And if he stays no, with the Patriots, not. he's ir- irrelevant. So um, he still has, like, the, if he, they put the right weapons around him, like Keenan Allen's already there. And like you said, Austin Eckler's already there. So if they put him on the Chargers, uh, the t- they he could really maybe even approach the QB1 tier. Like Yeah, and what, what do you think about Keenan Allen if Tom Brady comes? Is- uh, Keenan is- Allen – it's got to boost. His value's got to boost from Phillip Rivers. He's got a little injury potential as well. Um, let me see where I have him. I think his injury potential, and he has been consistent, but not great most years. He's number, uh, If oh, shoot, I accidentally went into my running backs. If I check my wide receivers, I think I have him like number 16. Yeah, I have him number 17, actually. But he's probably a wide receiver too. If uh, and but he might jump a little bit if they put the white rep like right weapons and like maybe Tom Brady or something. Yeah, I have him at number thirteen. I think the Chargers have to sign a quarterback. Like I don't even I don't I'm not sure who their backup is, but I don't think he's a very. I'm gonna assume that he's probably not the best player, considering he's like backing up Philip Rivers and everything. Yeah. Exactly. And Philip Rivers sort of did go down the tubes at the end of the season. So next we got Ryan Tannehill, who led his team after Marcus Mariota was benched. He led his team to the AFC Championship, or you could argue Derrick Henry led that team. But Ryan Tannehill, I think he's less integral to the offense than Derrick Henry, but he is still very talented and he's pretty young, I think. So if they have the option to franchise tag him, uh, or they could either franchise tag him or just let him walk, I guess. But Chris, do you think they should franchise him and work for a long-term deal or just try one more year and, like, maybe just see what happens? Yeah, I think they franchise tag him. I know they always kind of have Marcus Mariota fall back on, and they have a lot of pieces at quarterback with Ryan Tannehill and Marcus Mariota. They have a lot of, like, weapons for trades, and they, they have people that, like, they can – if something didn't work out with Ryan Tannehill, they have Marcus Mariota, you know. And I like how they are switching off – between Ryan Tannehill and Marcus Mariota, too. I think it's yeah. like a good combination. I think it would be really good for the NFL as well if Ryan Tannehill. I think Marcus Mariota's a free agent, though, too. So, oh, is he? Yeah, yeah so he might not. Uh, I think – and they, if they signed Ryan Tannehill, they'd definitely be committed on him as their starter. Like, mm-hmm. there's no question. But um, Marcus Mariota, he is a good backup to have in the fe- – showing that he's, like, sort of a different quarterback than Tannehill where he can run the ball yeah. more effectively. So – He's uh, almost a Taysom. He's sort of like the Taysom, Taysom Hill of Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee. So I think Ryan Tannehill, they are – I feel like they'll wind up tagging him and they'll wind up re-signing Derrick Henry too. Somehow they'll get it done because I don't just – I just don't see a guy who led his team to the AFC Championship walking the next year to any team he wants to go to. Like, that's unheard of in the NFL. Yeah, and I think that they, they kind of need to see one more year of Ryan Tannehill before they can make a decision on, like – how good he is because he's 31 years old. So he's getting older. He's not, he's not a young guy by any, by any means. So you got to be careful with starting. Yeah. I think he's still got like at least a few more years though, as quarterbacks, mm-hmm. like yeah. you could see old quarterbacks still in the NFL, but next. So next we'll go to uh, the running back situation in Arizona. And I think recently Bruce Arians said that he wasn't likely to cut uh, David Johnson. So I think David Johnson and Kenyon Drake, like that's, if they're going to cut uh if Wait, they're not going to cut David Johnson, then... Just, uh, a cor- just a correction, not Bruce Arians. It's a oh, yeah. Cliff Kingsbury. 
Oh, my bad. Well, I don't know why. Bruce Arians. I hear a lot about Bruce Arians, and yeah. he's, he's a great coach, but he does not coach um, Arizona. So, anyway, David Johnson, I think his value, uh, he sort of dropped off a cliff, and I don't know if he has anything left. And now that he's not going to be cut, I don't know what to think. Like, is Kenyon Drake still going to start there like he did at the end of last year? I think he is. I mean, he put out such a good showing. He – Along with Kyler Murray, Kenyon Drake is pretty young. So I think that's a good combo. It's a good two to build off of David Johnson. It just kind of feels like he's slowed down. There's so much injury potential there. And I feel like he's too risky for the Cardinals to keep. So I think that he's going to eventually re-sign with it. Or not re-sign, sign with another team. Yeah, I don't know. If if they're not going to cut him, like, I don't really understand that. Because he's got – I think he's got a big contract, doesn't he? And then mm-hmm. he's also got – like, he was – if they must still see some value in him, but I still see Kenyon Drake starting, and uh, in Tampa, in Arizona, Cliff Kingsbury, I think he's yeah. I, he's not going to bench Kenyon and the, Drake. And the important thing is you can't be keeping David Johnson just because he's on a high contract and he's supposed to be good. If you're just going to end up playing Kenyon Drake, then you're just that's useless money right there. So yeah, I think it, he needs needs to get cut. It's really muddled, but I think an addition of a wide receiver, Arizona is one of the most exciting landing spots for a wide receiver in the draft. And an addition there really opens up the run game. So if there's an outright starter, there's reason to be excited. And if David Johnson goes to another team too, there is still reason to believe that he might go up, maybe get some RB2 numbers. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you think about it, he was going number five, number six in the draft last year. So he's obviously has a lot of potential so if he signs with a team that's running back needy and that has a sturdy enough offensive line to handle him then I think he could definitely maybe even go back into that RB1 conversation yeah but I it's all the thing is it's like whether he still has that left in him because running Mm -hmm. we've seen running backs drop off cliffs very fast so now uh we'll go to uh question number six and this is about Melvin Gordon Melvin Gordon, I don't think, is going to re-sign with L.A. Like, that's pretty much a given. But wherever he goes, I don't think he's the same guy that he was before. And he's not the most efficient running back. So I think that it depends on his situation, what his value is. Say, if he signs with a team like maybe, I don't know, like Houston, then his value could go up a lot, depending. Because, like, Carlos Hyde is a free agent. Lamar Miller is a free agent. So if Gordon goes to Houston... It, that could really open things up in the running game, and maybe he could go to RB1 status. But depending on the spot, like if he's in, say he was with a team like the Dolphins, like I don't think this will happen, but if he's with the Dolphins, maybe he's not going to be as efficient, and he's sort of going to be like maybe how Le'Veon Bell was in uh, 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in 2019, he only had 3.8 yards per carry. And, I mean, he had eight touchdowns, which is what kind of kept him as a solid fantasy player. But – as a team, when you look at 3.8 yards per carry, that's not what you want to see in a in a running back. That's not you don't want to be relying on someone that's as inconsistent as Melvin Gordon is. So I think that's a big factor going into it. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like if 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 he's in Houston, though, like obviously they don't have to rely on him. Mm-hmm. So next we'll go to um question in Tampa Bay with Bruce Arians. And this is about Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston was like, I think he was like the number six quarterback this year or something. Like he was really good. His 30 interceptions though, may, he, I don't know if he's going to walk in free agency or resign with Tampa Bay, but he's so good for Tampa Bay. He makes his wide receivers great. And it'd be great for fantasy if he stayed there. Cause, but I don't know because of the 30 interceptions, Bruce Arians isn't very likely. I don't know how likely he is to resign him. Like, what do you think, Chris? Will he resign him and maybe sign another quarterback? I think he's going to re-sign with uh, Tampa Bay. I think it's interesting. I don't know if you heard about the whole eye thing with James Winston. Calvin, did you hear about that? No, I don't think so. He he actually had eye surgery, LASIK eye surgery, to fix his eyes. Ah, uh, maybe he will. Yeah, I think maybe he was getting the uniforms mixed up or something when he was on the field. Yeah. But. So, I mean, that's just, I don't think, I think he's still pretty young and just how many touchdowns he throws, if he can get away and protect the ball better and eliminate those turnovers, he's going to be a top five quarterback easily. Yeah, and even with the turnovers, if we know Bruce Arians is going to start Melvin – I mean, Melvin Gordon. No, uh, Jameis Winston at quarterback, then he still stays – he's going to be more, one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the draft. Mm-hmm. But since we don't know that, that sinks his value a little bit. Yeah, he's he's – very boomer bust kind of a player, I feel like, going into yeah. 2020. 
And so next we got Teddy Bridgewater. And I was hearing a lot, like Teddy Bridgewater might get a contract on par with some of like the highest paid quarterbacks in the league because like the salaries are going way up. Like I think he wants a lot of money. So if he gets that money, he's probably going to start somewhere. And he went 5-0 and with the Saints when he was starting. So he could be a good value. And he's got a lot of talent for sure. So if he lands in the right situation, like with the pieces around him, say he goes to the Chargers, is where are you putting him in your rankings, Chris? I mean, I think if he gets weapons in uh, Los Angeles, he can – he's probably top – eight for me maybe like six oh probably. wow that's pretty high yeah I think maybe I was thinking he would approach QB1 territory because we haven't seen a ton from him yeah I, I wouldn't say it I'd say he's yeah I, I don't know he could be around maybe like what Ryan Tannehill's projected to be next year like, uh, no no not number not number six sorry I thought you were talking about James Winston uh, oh okay Teddy Bridgewater, right yeah I'd yeah probably, yeah he's probably around like a boom season he could be eight just with how much production he had but I think he's more around like 12 sort of yeah like approaching QB1 territory if he gets the right weapons but Jameis Winston I think again yeah. if he if he gets the job maybe top eight QB for sure if he doesn't maybe top 15 approaching there just because of the uncertainty yeah and so now we'll go we got two questions left and one of them is about a tight end Austin Hooper who I don't think is likely to go back to the Falcons because it looks no. like it looks like he does not want to go back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he doesn't want to go back. I've heard that the Falcons are not willing to offer him a long term contract, and I think he's really looking for someone somewhere that I think he can stay for a while. Yeah, and it's hard to sort of project where tight ends are going to go because there are a lot of the times when a team doesn't have a stud tight end, it means they don't really care about the tight end that much in their offense. So he's obviously a great pass catcher as he showed last year. So depending on where he goes. Is he maybe, I think he's probably top eight because he Mm -hmm. sort of fell off a cliff last year. But I think he's probably top eight for a tight end. Yeah, I mean, if he continues to play the way that he played last year, like earlier in the season, I think he's definitely, he could definitely probably reach top five. But I think more likely it's that he's like top eight. Maybe top ten or something. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. I think he's a a good player to draft, though, depending on where he goes. Because, like, you – You've seen what he can do, so it just depends on how well he can do that in 2020. Yeah, and he, I think tight end, there's going to be some value guys that you can find later, like who mm-hmm. have improved themselves. For example, Tyler Higby. I think his um, Tyler Higby is probably going to be undervalued this year, and even if he's not undervalued, you can probably still get him at a price where it's not going to be too much to give up if he busts. And if he booms, then suddenly you've got a starting caliber tight end. Yeah, and just like you were saying, like, some teams don't seem to incorporate the tight ends into their offense that much. I mean, at the end of the season, Tyler Higbee was having, like, almost 10 receptions every game, and that's just – That was that crazy. shows how big of a chunk of the offense he held. So if he keeps that up, he's like a – any tight end that's getting 10 receptions a game is easily top three. That's like Travis Kelsey and Zach yeah. Ertz. And, Especially you know, in PPR, but in yeah, non-PPR yeah. too. So, and on PBR, maybe a little bit down, but still, I mean. Yeah. And so for our last one, we have Amari Cooper. And we'll talk about him a little later, and you'll see Chris has some stuff to say about him. But he's uh, maybe he's a free agent. Uh, and so the Cowboys, uh, I don't know if they'll re-sign him. He seems the least likely to be re-signed on that team just because they already have they signed Zeke. They have to sign Zach, Dak. And so, like, Cooper seems like the odd man out. So what's his value depending on where he goes? So depending on where he goes, I think he could, he has a big range of things that he could do because if he goes somewhere like, like for example, the Chargers who I think need a little bit of wide receiver help. I mean, they have Keenan Allen, but other than Keenan Allen, they really only have Mike Williams. And like, if, if he's paired with a solid wide receiver, I think he can do good. Like I think Michael Gallup was a good player for him to be with because it kind of took some of the attention off of him. So if as long as I don't think he can like flourish in a role where he's the only like the star wide receiver, that guy that's getting double covered, you know, kind of like, I don't know, like Odo Beckham was a few years ago for the Giants, how he was just getting double covered everywhere, how Juju Smith-Schuster kind of was this year a little. So I think he's going to need somewhere that other guys are going to emerge and then they're going to take some of the work off of him and then he can do well. Yeah, I think 
that's the best situation for pretty much any wide receiver. If you can get people not to double cover you, then Mm -hmm. you're good. So now let's go. That's it for our free agency questions. And we'll move on to some general rankings talk about our rankings on the site. And I think we both finished our running back rankings, right, Chris? So we'll start there. So running back, number one, obviously, Christian McCaffrey. We don't need to talk about that. Number two is going to be Saquon, I think, because he can just be so explosive when he's on the field. I have Derrick Henry, and that's oh yeah, surprising. But number just, in non PPR, he's higher for sure, like mm-hmm. higher than he w- would be in PPR. I mean, the the yards just don't lie. I feel like though, and especially if they get Ryan Tannehill and they have AJ Brown, who I think is going to be great next year. I mean, he I he could even pass Christian McCaffrey. He's just such a workhorse back, and he's you can trust him to do anything at any time you can trust him to get five yards if you need it on third down you can trust him to get in the end zone from the one yard line you can he's always going to be able to get what you need just like in those short yardage downs and even he can break off a few offense yeah he just like is he dominates the defenders like defenders hate tackling him like it's he's uh notorious for like just running people over and so I think I put him at number three, although I think it's pretty close. Saquon Barkley's, of course, he, I guess he has a little bit of injury potential, but his explosiveness in the running game and the passing game, which Derrick Henry sort of lacks, sort of puts Barkley ahead. And because it's non-PPR, I put Henry at three. So, Chris, who do you got at three? Actually, I'm Zeke, but I'm. this is one of those ones where I feel like it could be almost a tie between Zeke and Saquon. Zeke, I mean, I've had him on my team a bunch of years, like probably – maybe three out of like the five years that I played fantasy football. And I feel like he's just really consistent and he's the head of the Cowboys offense. You hear about Dak Prescott a lot this year, but I still think that he's kind of in control. Now, the only thing is Mike McCarthy going over there. And when Mike, Mike McCarthy was with Green Bay, he actually, Aaron Jones didn't do that well. Right. Uh, Well, I guess, Aaron Jones oh, was – well, it was because the reason Aaron Jones didn't do well last year was because they were sort of splitting the carries with Williams. But I'm not, I'm not sure. You could be – I think you're right about that, actually. Uh, two years – like, two, two or three years ago. When was Mike coaching him? Uh, well, he coached, I think, two years ago. Yeah, you might be right about that. It's so hard to remember. Even a couple of years ago, we're focusing so hard on this year. And so, yeah, I guess I can see your assessment there. But – so, number four, I guess you have Saquon, right? All right. Yeah, I think I'm probably going to jump Saquon up to number three. All right. That's probably better. He's just so explosive, and I feel like he had an off year, but I think he was dealing with that high ankle sprain and just, like, the whole new quarterback. But I really like where the offense is heading because of how well, like, Zeke has done under Jason Garrett, you know? Yeah. Like, and I feel like Zeke is just so consistent. There's value mm-hmm. in consistency there. Yeah, and so someone like Jason Garrett is the offensive coordinator. I think it's a lot better that he's not the head coach, but he can focus more on play calls. And I don't think he's Jason Garrett is cut out to be much of a head coach. But then with Joe Judge heading over, I think I, I really like this year. I think Saquon is going to flourish along with that entire offense. Yeah, then there's no doubt he's going if he's on the field, he's going to flourish. But the injuries are a little bit of a concern. And they're concerned with another guy who we'll talk about in a little bit. Number four, though, is not that guy. It is Nick Chubb, who is one of my main breakout candidates this year. If you think Nick Chubb broke out this year, you should watch him next year. He was really good at the start of the season. Then when Kareem Hunt came, he sort of his numbers sort of dipped. But I think that with Kevin Stefanski is really a run-first coach who they just hired in Cleveland. So he's going to get all the more carries. Kareem Hunt's not likely to come back with all of his uh, off-the-field issues. So Hunt, Chubb gets all those carries. Plus, he gets he's not a bad pass-catching back. He's a good pass-catcher. So he gets all the rec- receptions that Hunt got as well. So yeah, that's going to help him explode. So, he's a very underrated pass-catcher, I think. I think a lot of people value him as more of like a – only run back, but he can really step out and catch patches in the flat and screen passes. I think he's he's just a really good all-around back. Yeah, and if he's going to get that all-around role next year, as it seems. And with all those carries coming his way, he was amazing last year, and I see him repeating those numbers, if not maybe even slightly exceeding them. So it, in yeah. the first eight games that he had. So he's get my number four RB for me. Yeah, this running back class is a little bit deep, so I have Nick Chubb at number six, but I – I can he see definitely that. has a very high. He could be a. He could be a number one back. He has that kind of potential. 
Yeah, I agree. That, that like, especially except with McCaffrey there, I don't think he will be. But like he and and some years I mean, he could definitely be a number one. Yeah, this is kind of a different year. We we don't normally see a McCaffrey every yeah. year where it's just a sure number one. Like you know he's going to be number one. Even like most people thought Saquon was a sure number one last year, but it, this year I think everyone all around the fantasy world knows McCaffrey's. Yeah, well, Barkley was the consensus number one, but I think there were people who were arguing for McCaffrey at number one and for Kamara and Zeke. I think McCaffrey was the one that that was getting argued for number one most besides Barkley, from what I heard. Mm -hmm. And so number five, I've got Ezekiel Elliott, and he's so consistent that he's got to be top five RB every single year. Like, he'll find a way to be top five, and he's just with that explosive offense, I like. And I don't really know what Mike McCarthy, what the offense is going to look like under Mike McCarthy, but... Under Jason Garrett, uh, Zeke got a lot of touches in the red zone and around the goal line. So I'm hoping that, like, Mike McCarthy kind of takes a, a page out of that book and goes ahead and helps Zeke get those touchdowns, which is what he's really good at. Yeah, he's just all around a great back. Catches mm-hmm. passes, too. Catches and passes, yeah. Number six for me is another breakout candidate. It's Joe Mixon. And Joe Mixon was like, he was performing at a very high level at the end of last season. And with Joe Burrow possibly coming in, and Cincinnati needs to really improve their offensive line, with those two factors, they could, the defenses may not be able to stack the box as much against Mixon and just send all their defenders to stop him in the run game. He was fine even with that. But without that, with if they get an arm like Burrow, who's a threat deep, they can they can't stack the box against Mixon because then Burrow will just burn them for deep touchdown after deep touchdown to AJ Green, who they just re-signed. So with those two guys there, that opens up a lot more holes for Mixon. And near the end of the season, he was getting more involved in pass catching too. So I think those yards will be there, and the Bengals' offense will sort of rejuvenate and have a good year next year, led by Mixon and Burrow. Yeah, I only I don't. Joe Mixon isn't a bust for me, but I just. The Bengals' offensive line, I'm pretty sure they're not very good. And I just – I feel like he hasn't been good enough over the past couple of years to allow me to trust him to put him in that top six conversation. I have him at number 10. So again, this, this running back class is so deep because you see people right ahead of, ahead of him, like Alvin Kamala, Sean Taylor, Chubb, Alvin Kamala. You know, like, I don't – I can't see him being better than any of those people. So I have him at number 10. Yeah, I can. I guess I can see that. And his one weakness is that I think with Burrow there, he could sort of have some touchdown regression. Like more touchdowns mm-hmm. are going to go through the air. But I still like him at number six. And yeah, uh, I, I think he has a very wide range of places that he could end up next year. Yeah, and like the the concerns of the running backs behind him, I think helped him up a little bit as well. Like I could see, like depending on what your view of the concerns, like I could see him more like number ten, like you said. But I have him mm-hmm. at number six. So who's your number six, Chris? My number six is Nick Chubb. Oh, and right, yeah. I don't know. I guess we kind of already talked about him, but I'll give you a little overview of why I put him at number six. I mean, I just feel like that, that offense under Kevin Stefanski, like a lot of times, and this isn't always the case, but I feel like sometimes like just having a new coach, it's a lot different because Nick Chubb has been with Cleveland his entire career. So, I mean, he, ha- he has a – big breakout possibility but he just I don't know something about him like I just feel like I don't really know I can't really put my finger on it but I just don't trust him enough to put him like top four yeah I think we've talked about Nick Chubb a lot so it's sort of hard to get new Mm -hmm. analysis so I can see what that is yeah but like I know what you mean so number seven for me is Alvin Kamara. And Alvin Kamara is due for some major, more touchdowns coming next year. Like, I, Chris, I know you had him on your fantasy team. That must have been brutal, like having oh, him just man. not score. So story time, I finally – so the entire year I just started Alvin Kamara. I thought, okay, this is the game. This is the game where he blows up. This is the game. And I finally decided, like, two weeks before the playoffs, it's like the most important moments. So I'm like – I'm going to take a big risk. And I decided not to start Alvin Kamara. And he goes off, starts going off for like 25 points. And I go, okay, that must have been an outlier. I'm going to sit him one more week. 25 more points. And I'm just like, come on, you couldn't have said that earlier in the season. So Yeah, I love how his I love how his outliers were like the final two games of the season. So I know. 
deciding whether to start or stay Alvin Kamara last season gave me headaches. It kept me up at night. It was awful. <laughs> uh, just rolling around in bed, just tossing yeah. it, unable to go to sleep. Start or sit, start or sit. But he's number yeah. seven because he's his touchdowns will go up. And I think he does have a limited amount of carries in that offense, but he has shown he can produce with those. And yeah. so he's just solid in quality RB1 material. I mean, that's the life of a fantasy podcaster. Yeah, that's that's gonna be our job during the season. We'll uh, during the season we'll have weekly podcasts about waiver wire pickups and starter sit conversations and different topics as well. Yeah. So we're, we're gonna have a preview closer to the beginning of the season. This is more of a way too early kind of fantasy preview. We're, we're sort of a before the draft kind of thing, you know, just. Yeah, and we're trying to do more, like, things that are, like, questions. Like, our free agency, free agency questions yeah. are going to be answered by the start of the season, and we'll have new analysis for you then. So, mm-hmm. Chris, And I, I, think, I think we're also going to have, like, a rookie episode. and So just look, you guys can be looking for that after the draft, yeah. Yeah, that'll be fun. So who's your number seven, Chris? My number seven is Aaron Jones. And oh, Aaron boy. Jones, ugh, he's, he's really risky. This year, and I, he had such a good year last year with Aaron Rodgers, and a lot of people are saying the Packers are going to get a wide receiver, and I think as long as Aaron Rodgers return, it returns to, like, his form that we know Aaron Rodgers can play at, because he, he didn't fully live up. He was doing really well, and towards the end of the season, Aaron Rodgers kind of dropped off. So I think his play kind of relies on the entirety of the offense, because he really – He's not a workhorse back like someone like Derrick Henry is. He can't carry an offense, so he really needs like something else to open up his game. Yeah, I think his play can rely on Aaron Rodgers in a different way, too. Like, Aaron Rodgers was super inconsistent this year, but I think if he gets more wide receivers, things get opened up, yes. But he's due for some major touchdown regression. Like, he had, like, something like 15 rushing touchdowns this season or something like that. So, if Rodgers – the Packers need another wide receiver. So, if they sign one, then I see some major touchdown regression. Mm -hmm. And because of how deep this class is, I put him at number nine. And we'll talk about my number eight in a moment, but I think he's number nine. Yeah, I think it's it has to depend. A lot of this has to depend on the draft. And so I think after the draft, that's a good idea. We'll do like sort of rookies, but we'll also do like questions surrounding their team. So mm-hmm. that we can talk about other stuff like that. Yeah, and, and we can talk about the impacts of players, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Like, so number eight, Dalvin Cook. And I dropped him very far because of his injuries. And people are like, but Dalvin Cook didn't get hurt in 2019. Well, yeah, he did. He got hurt at the end of the season. He was banged up for a while. And, of course, he got had that season-ending injury a couple of years ago. So he's, his injury potential just puts him down. And I could see him being probably the number two RB if he's on the field for the whole season. But that's just not going to happen. He's not been on the field. He's not really been able to, like, stay completely healthy over the course of a full season. And I don't know who you have in a break, Chris, but, like, I think that's that's my analysis. Yeah, I have Todd Gurley, who I really like in 2020. And I don't know – I'm looking at your rankings, Kyle, but I don't even know. Do you even have him top 12, Todd Gurley? No, I have him 13. Yeah, I have Todd Gurley at 8. I just feel like – I think he's kind of over this whole – Every he's going to be over this whole – workload and everything I feel like he had a really good year and I think he's gonna realize that he's ready and that he's back to he's pretty much back to his good form I mean towards the end of the year he was doing great like he's I felt like he was doing great and I see I think a lot of people are underestimating how good Todd Gurley was like two years ago yeah I think Yeah, something like that is definitely possible, but it all depends on what Sean McVay does in uh, in Los Angeles. So, so I guess you have Gurley at eight, and then nine is uh, who was it? Who do you have at nine? Oh yeah, Kamara. So, uh, so we got. Uh, th- I guess we got the same top nine except for Gurley. So I guess you had Mixon at ten, 
And I have Josh Jacobs at 10, who I think is poised to take another step forward in this offense. All right, sure. So, like, I think uh, I like Kenyon Drake at 15 if he gets the workload that uh, – and he was so good last year that I think he will be good. Yeah, that, that offense is so good. And I, I think, Chris, wasn't one of the players you like – don't you like Raheem Mostert? Like, what's your analysis on him? The problem with Raheem Mostert for me, and I think I have him at 25. So the problem with him for me is just that Kyle Shanahan tends to not use one RB like a workhorse. Like he'll use whoever's doing well mm-hmm. in that moment. So I do like him if he, we know he's going to be the starter, but that's just, just that huge question mark surrounding him mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, I think he's, he's definitely top 20 if he is the starter. And if he kind of steps up, is that clear cut number one running back? But if he's in the mix, I think he drops down to like, like maybe 25, 30, you know, somewhere in that range. Yeah. I, I, I can and then see that. someone else I like is 21, Darius Geis, who, Ooh, I mean, that's pretty he's high for so me. So injury risk. He has so much injury risk, but he's such a good player. I mean, I can't, like, I feel like every time, every year we go into this and we put Darius Geis up high, and like towards the end of the season, he was doing really well, I felt like. He's yeah. putting up solid numbers. So I think if he stays healthy, he's definitely a, t- a running back too. I guess he was doing well, but it's just insane injury risk, just like Dalvin Cook. And mm-hmm. I-, I don't know, like, if Adrian Peterson still stays involved, I put him at 29 just because of all the question marks surrounding him. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, I guess I think we sort of already touched on David Johnson. So maybe do you want to move on from RBs unless you have something else? Yeah, here, I'm just going to do a few Okay. All right. Um, uh, oh yeah, he's sort of. Is it, he's the handcuff to Josh Jacobs, though, right? Yeah, I haven't met fifty. Josh Jacobs was a little bit banged up last year. I mean, with that whole torn pec thing, and I mean, he kind of played through it for part of the season, but then when he was out, DeAndre Washington was a great running back. So he's, if you can pick him up, like, as a top 50 RB, I think that's a really good pick, which with which is a really good handcuff. I mean, a f- number 50 running back, it's not going to cost you that much in a draft, but it has a lot of possibility for a big payout. Yeah, it's like handcuffs are, can be undervalued sometimes. And, like, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want a handcuff. He's never going to play. But they're so useful. And that's why I have, like, I think Alexander Madison is maybe number 42 or something, around top 40 for me, because you got to definitely draft him. He's the top handcuff for Cook. And I could mm-hmm. Yeah, he's number 40 for me. Yeah. And I could see if you have a bunch of already workhorse starting backs, you could maybe reach a little on a handcuff like Madison just because mm-hmm. he's so valuable. Yeah. especially if you have someone like Dalvin Cook, if you get a – if you pick up Dalvin Cook at the beginning of your draft or you pick up uh, um, Josh Jacobs, then he's a really good player to have because if Josh Jacobs goes out, you know, then you got DeAndre Washington. If Dalvin Cook goes out, Alexander Madison, purpose of a handcuff. So. Yeah, it's actually gr- – that's a great idea, though, because Cook – that's a way to get Cook as a value is to get mm-hmm. uh, Alexander Madison, too. But you just got to make sure that you get Alexander Madison. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's it for RBs. And do you want to talk about wideouts now? Yeah. All right. So I think Michael Thomas is the number one. And then number two yeah. for me, this is non-PPR, remember, so Tyreek Hill. So who's your number two, Chris? Yeah, I have Tyreek Hill at number two, too. He's just – the Chiefs offense is so explosive. And, and Tyreek Hill is the, probably the fastest player in the NFL. And anytime you have a receiver with the speed of Tyreek Hill, I think he's got to be – in an offense with a big arm like Patrick Mahomes, he's just going to be so good. Yeah, I agree. He's just, like, so explosive. He beat any corner any time. And if he stays off, out of trouble off the field, then 
top two wide receiver for sure. Mm-hmm. Number three for me, Mike Evans. And this is because non-PPR, I think he's sort of more explosive, the more explosive receiver than Chris Godwin, which is why Godwin's number four and Evans is number three. He's the more explosive receiver and he has more boomer bust, but he'll give you more total point output throughout the season. So I think he can catch those deep balls too. Yeah, I have Devonte Adams at number three, and that that could easily change as the draft goes on. You know, there could be some regression, or even like some he could get a little better with someone to take like, or I don't know. I mean, it kind of all depends on the draft and what kind of receivers the Packers get because Devonte Adams has been so good in past years, and you know, he's always been like someone that you can trust because he always gets a lot of yards. It's just the touchdowns weren't there last year, and that kind of held him back from being like a like a top fantasy wide receiver last year yeah that was pretty unfortunate for him because like he just he was he could have been so good but I think two through six in wide receivers number two through number six is really muddled like I've got it Tyreek Hill Mike Evans Chris Godwin DeAndre Hopkins Devontae Adams but I could easily see someone doing just the opposite and I wouldn't get mad at you mm-hmm. like yeah, it's like, it's so close my two through six is Tyreek Hill Devontae Adams Mike Evans DeAndre Hopkins Julio and then even seven I have Chris Godwin which is a little low yeah, I don't know if Julio – I can – I don't know about Julio, though. I wouldn't put Chris Godwin behind Julio just because Julio doesn't really score that many touchdowns, and he is aging. He's getting older. So I don't really know about his potential. He's a solid number seven, but he's – I don't think he can go any higher than that for me. And Chris Godwin, I'm just – I'm a little worried about with the whole Bucks QB situation because I feel like if the Bucks don't have Jameis Winston next year, like if he signs with another team like we were talking about, then – then he's, I don't think he's going to be that good. It just, just depends on who they have. Like, like we talked about, Jameis Winston is perfect for the Bucks. But depending on who they get, I could def, I might de- be dropping Mike Evans and Chris Godwin to like six and seven behind Julio or something, and something, and Julio could go up to five. But like, it all just depends on the quarterback situation, and that's what's and tough mean, about making podcasts. Yeah, over. we we've seen Mike Evans do so well. That's why I have him at number four. Like, I mean, that thirty-seven point game last year. That's just ridiculous and you see you see how big of a role he plays in the offense but it's not every game that he's playing that role because some games some teams would shut down Mike Evans and the next game they try to shut down Chris Godwin and you one of them is always going to be open so I or one of them is always going to probably be like getting the focus of the defense I feel like yeah and it's hard it's so hard when you have a dynamic duo and it and it's really hard to it's kind of hard to predict which player is going to have the big game for the Bucks. Yeah, I agree. That's why I don't know if, like, Mike Evans can be top three or if Chris Godwin can be top five. So, story time. And, Chris, I think you you were part of this trade for Michael Thomas, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, a player in our league, he traded um, Mike Evans for Michael Thomas, like, outright, which was kind of insane. And he made some questionable trades that actually kind of worked out. Like, he also traded Le'Veon Bell for Adrian Peterson, and Bell was not good. Meanwhile, Peterson was, like, he was not bad. Like for some of the time he was putting up decent numbers. So you could sort of see that trade. I think it was still a win for you, Chris, who got bell, but like Michael Thomas for Mike Evans, Michael Thomas did not do that much better than Mike Evans. Like those questionable trades sort of almost worked out. And then he mm-hmm. got Evans for that 37 point game. And, but he also got no, Evans no, for like, no, this- Evans, Evans was on, what happened is Evans was on my team for that 37 point game. And I had him, and I realized how big of a training piece he was after that 37-point game. So I kind of just shopped him right there and just got out, got rid of him for Michael Thomas. It's kind of funny because a a week or week or two later, Mike Evans got like zero, and then he just sort of blew up for the end of the season. So Mm -hmm. so unpredictable. That that's why he can also be a really valuable trading piece too, because just because of those big games, because everyone loves seeing those wide receiver big games, and then they'll they'll be like, ooh, I should get him, and they'll be more inclined to accept the trade that they wouldn't have accepted the week before when he was just meh, you know? But, like, if, yeah, if you're um, unsatisfied with Mike Evans and he gets, like, 25-25 and you're like, oh, that's not happening anymore, just trade him and yeah. get some good pieces. Like, if you haven't been satisfied with it, if you're more of a, someone that likes consistency, which I think most people are, I mean, there's some people that love that risk and that possibility for that 37-point game, but, like, I think – if you're more of on the consistent side, it's a good way to like wait for that big game that you know he's going to have because he's going to have that, a big game and then you can just shop him. But yeah, I, I think the best teams are the ones that are balanced and they have some guys like Zeke who are consistent. Then they have some guys like Mike Evans who like the way you do it is that if you have consistent players on your team, a guy like Mike Evans 
isn't going to totally bury you when he has a bad week, but he can carry you to victory when he has a good one. So it's all about finding the right balance. So that's one of the most important things in fantasy football is finding mm-hmm. the balance between consistent guys and breakouts every single year. Mm-hmm. So I guess seven is Julio Jones for me. And then eight, I've got Amari Cooper. And I think, Chris, you have a different number, right? You've got DJ Moore. I have Moore. DJ Moore, and so we'll probably talk about DJ Moore, hint, hint, and Amari Cooper in the next section. So it's going to be podcast. fun. So we'll skip over them for now. And then how about AJ Brown? I have him at number nine. Really? Whoa. Yeah. Wait, let me see. I have him low. I'm going to have to debate this with you. Number 19. Oh, uh, he my. was ridiculously efficient last year, and I think that's going to have to come down. And with Tannehill possibly not coming back, mm-hmm. it's going to be hard for him to sort of no. keep up the production. I, I like him, but not like as much as people, more other people do. Oh, I love AJ Brown next year. I mean, Ryan Tannehill, I can just, he's, he's so young and he's so quick, and he's, he's Ryan, he seems like the perfect guy for Ryan Tannehill because Ryan Tannehill was like, he just, he seemed like Ryan Tannehill kind of trusted A.J. Brown as the number one receiver in that offense. And then you have Derrick Henry to take away kind of part of the coverage for A.J. Brown. And then you have, it just, he's, he seems like such a promising pick next year. I have him at number nine. I think he's, he's a wide receiver one in my book. I think he's going to be a great wide receiver in the NFL. But I just think that like, for, it's, it's so hard to judge. And he was so like efficient, as I said, and I guess, like, I know I'm not as high as AJ Brown as other people, but why didn't you pick him in your breakout? Like, is number nine not high for you? I mean, there's someone else. I like DJ Moore a lot. That's someone that I really like, so. All right, so yeah, preview, sneak preview of the uh, breakout bust section. So, 10, I've got Cortland Sutton, who was great this year, or last year, and I think no matter who's throwing in the ball, he sort of proved that he can still be a low-end wide receiver one. And I got Kenny Gall. Oh, man. Wait, why is he so low? Give me the reasoning. Hand me the reasoning. The Broncos quarterback. That's, that's my reason. But that's the, that's the thing, though. He had different quarterbacks last year, and he was still performing. Like, I feel like he, that doesn't really matter for him. There's guys where it doesn't matter. And for him, I feel like he's one of them. But, like, the Broncos offense, you can't even, you can't even name – a player that's really good on their team. Like, the best player on their offense is probably Cortland Sutton. Like, they don't really have a running back, right? Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. They have but, running backs. But, like, but I, there's not that star running back that you have to put eight people in the box to handle, you know? But is there a star running back on any of these top teams? I mean, a couple of them. DeAndre Hopkins doesn't have that star running back. Mike Evans I mean, but he has Deshaun Watson, though. He has Deshaun Watson. That's I guess him. so. But Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Well, I guess Jameis. Well, they have each, but... Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, they have each other. Michael Thomas, he has Alvin Kamara, Tyree Kill. He has that entire Chiefs offense. Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones. Like, uh, Okay. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I still think he's number 10, and it doesn't really matter for him, like, what kind of – play he has at quarterback same with dj moore like you're like dj moore kyle allen was playing for him with like half the year and he was still know, really but, good but he has christian mccaffrey too that's like uh okay. that's, that's one of the things that i really like like just in my opinion i love having like a lot of stars around them because i feel like it really opens up the offense for a lot of different players to have a lot of points i can see what you mean but he's just that Cortland Sutton is that guy. And DeAndre Hopkins, you forget that he performed for a few years with guys like Tom Savage uh, as, as his quarterback. The one year he didn't perform, I think, was like with Brock Osweiler. But like, other than that, he was performing with bad quarterbacks. So I think there, he's Cortland Sutton is the type of guy who can get yards even with a bad quarterback. And like Philip Lindsay, maybe he's not like that great of a running back, but he's still pretty explosive. And he's explosive enough to keep part of the defense's eye on him and let Sutton get open, in my yeah, opinion. I have Cooper Cup at number ten instead of Cortland Sutton. I, I love oh, him. Cooper Cup. He's just he's. I feel like he's very consistently good. Like like he always. I feel like last year I was seeing a lot of different games. He was having like fifteen points. I feel like he was getting a, like he's just getting a like he's just getting a lot of yards. He wasn't getting the most touchdowns, but he was getting so many yards. Like he was getting like hundred fifty yards, hundred yards each game, and then like. I don't really know what to expect from the Rams offense, but I think it'll be, I think it'll be centered around like Cooper Cup. I, I don't, I sort of disagree. I mean, maybe it's centered around him, but he sort of dropped off at the end of last year. And while I think the top 24, like after the top 24, there's a big drop off. I have mm-hmm. Cooper Cup at number 24. 
for me. Like, what? I have him at number 24 because he was, I was thinking of trading for him. And so I was looking at his stats and I don't think he was doing that well at the end of last season. And so I can sort of see what you mean, but with all the weapons they have, Tyler Higby emerged, Todd Gurley might get more touches next year. Like you said, Robert Woods has, can catch balls. And maybe that's a little low, but like you think about the guys that are ahead of him, DK Metcalf could break out. Tyler Lockett was really good last year. DJ Shark was good. Juju Smith-Schuster is poised for a rebound. In fact, I think I'm going to move him up right now. Um, AJ Brown, T.Y. Hilton, AJ, Keenan Allen, AJ Green, Devontae Parker, and then it just goes up. So that's, that's yeah. Here, anyone else you feel like you have a kind of a crazy ranking for that we can? I did not think that number 24 was crazy for Cooper Cup. I'll just say well, that. Well, okay. <laughs> I do. Uh, what about OBJ? He's an interesting. I put him at number 13 for me. I, I, yeah, I have him at number 12. I think, I don't know, he's just, he was a little quiet last year. I mean, you can't really say quiet because he was still a very solid fantasy wide receiver, but, like, he didn't have Odo Beckham Jr. type production. Yeah, you weren't really hearing about him much because he was sort of just meh. And I think he can sort of rebound this year with he a actually, new coach. He actually did really well at the end of the season, too, though. Yeah, but I think Freddie Kitchens was sort of diminishing his value. So I'd like him at number 13 as hopefully Kevin Stefanski helps a rebound there. And while they're not going to be passing much, I think Kevin Stefanski will learn that Odell Beckham Jr. at least needs to have the ball. Like, so he's going to get the ball. One of the players that he really interesting, and he's, he could go anywhere depending on how free agency goes, I feel like. Oh, I don't know if I want to know how, where you put him. Where did you put him? Oh, I put him at 34 just because he's aging and he might not have Brady back. And there's guys like Deshaun Jackson, John Brown, Alshon Jeffrey, Tyler Boyd, Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, Jarvis Landry, Adam Thielen, Calvin Ridley, and Cooper Cup, who I like better than him. Like, those are all the guys who are ahead of him. And then behind him is like Robert Woods and Christian Cook. Like if Tom Brady comes back, Julian Edelman is uh, – everyone knows that Julian Edelman is Tom Brady's favorite target. That's what I mean. If he comes back, I'll move him up for sure. If he, I think this ranking is more based on Tom Brady coming back because, like, until Tom Brady signs with another team, I don't know if I'm going to move him down. But if he does, then he's definitely going to move down to around where you have him. Uh, yeah, I guess I could – I'm definitely going to move him up. But maybe that is a little low. But I feel like the guys – it's the guys ahead of him. It feels low. And then I look at the guys ahead of him and i like, I can't move them down at all. So mm-hmm. – I guess that's it for rankings because running back and quarterback, you could sort of wait on. So we don't really need to talk about quarterback that much. And we will talk about all the positions during mm-hmm. our actual fantasy preview. So don't worry about that. But I think we're oh, just wait, going over the main thing. Yeah. One more player before we go. I, uh, or not, not before we go, before we end wide receivers, Alan Lazard. I have him at number 60. 60. Yeah. Is that an interesting pick? Uh, I think so, but I think everyone was like Alan Lazard, Alan Lazard every single week, and he never really did much. And let me see where I have him. I think that I think I might have him in my top sixty. I just have to scroll down a lot. So let's see, Alan Lazard. Uh, where, 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 where? where? I don't think I actually have him in my top sixty. Because I kind of thought of him as more of a sleeper, like a. He was kind of. I was at the number 60 spot, and I was thinking, who's someone that I think is a sleeper that could do really well? I saw Alan Lazard, and I just I, – I thought – I picked him up because the, the Packers are having wide receiver troubles. That's why you're hearing about them a lot in, like, the whole drafting a wide receiver and everything. So, like, if, if the whole wide receiver thing doesn't work out with the Packers, I think Alan Lazard will have a big year. Isn't it – is it Lazard or Lazard? I, I want to know I now. Know. I'm going to look yeah. it up. Yeah. Lazard pronunciation. Uh, let's see. I don't know if it's going to come up. Uh, how to pronounce Alan Lazard. All right, here it is. YouTube. Yeah, I'm watching the YouTube videos. <laughs> All right, so, yeah, we're going to move on to breakout or bust in a sec, where we each give a breakout and a bust that we think. But first, I need to know, and I don't think you're going to hear this because I have my earbuds in, so you're not going to hear this coming in. But I'm just going to – I'll tell I'll tell you. You can trust me. It's Lazard. I just, I just watched the video. Let's go. All right. Yep. Alan Lazard. Boom. I win again. I, I always win. I, I won every single debate we had you know today. We're going to have to do Calvin to decide things once and for all. We're going to have to like, go to the final rankings after 2020 and take our preseason rankings and put like rank C, like put little arrows next to them saying how far off they dropped off like from 
yeah where, where we had them ranked or maybe there's like a site that'll tell us how good your rankings were but yeah. we're, we're gonna have to settle we're, this we're once gonna have all. a competition there's gonna be competition all right so now we're gonna I'm move gonna on win. to breakout or bust and we're gonna have no i'm gonna i'm gonna win okay Okay, we'll see. You you can you can you can say that it, you can pretend that you're gonna win, but uh, it's I'm actually gonna win. Okay. So we're gonna go to breakout or bust, and so my breakout for here is uh Nick Chubb and Nick Chubb we talked about earlier. Just the combination of the new coach and Kareem Hunt likely leaving gives him so many more touches in this offense, and I think like like I said, you might th- be thinking Nick Chubb broke out already not you're not compared to what you're going to see this year you're going to see like his production the first eight games like the entire season it's going to be great so i i want to draft nick chubb for sure so chris who's your breakout or i know who it is but you you can say it dj moore yeah, let's DJ go moore, he's, he's just he's been my he was my favorite all of last season i remember last season uh we actually did a few practice podcasts and i had him in my like we did a we did a section kind of similar to this who we think our breakout could be and I remember I had DJ Moore and I just yeah. liked him all of last season I think he's the clear cut number one wide receiver in Carolina if the quarterback situation gets worked out there I think he he'll stay in in that number eight maybe up to number seven even even possibly ahead of Julio Jones in number six you know. I have him at number nine, so I do see that potential. But well, I think I, he's I, sort of going to just stay where he is, like yeah, where he I, was. I mean, Kyle Allen, he could maybe like if, if the quarterback situation doesn't get worked out very well, he could definitely get moved down. But he's so like he's just so consistent. I felt like last year he was scoring so many points. Uh, what was the trade that was made like pretty early in the season? It was actually uh, made by Touchdown Kirk, our other analyst that you haven't met yet. Yeah, I don't know. He traded for oh, he traded David Johnson for DJ Moore, like right when he was dropping off. So and, and someone we didn't really know that Dave Johnson was gonna have such a big drop off, and I think that was a really good trade. And then I remember just seeing DJ Moore do. I, at first, I thought eh, that's probably not a great trade. You know, David Johnson is still gonna be really good, but then the production that I saw from DJ Moore after that really made me think that was an amazing trade. Yeah, I think Johnson was just starting to drop off, though, but he hadn't, like, completely gone off the radar. So it was sort of like a trick. But DJ Moore, he's, I feel like he's just going to stay where he is. And he's going to – with Cam, New- Cam Newton, I think is – the Panthers are committed for Cam Newton, I think, next year. That's what they said, I'm pretty sure. So now move on to bust. And my bust – and this isn't a complete bust. This is just like – like Nick Chubb already sort of broke out. I, I agree. But, like, bust Debo Samuel. And I think Debo Samuel is going to be overvalued just because the 49ers offense does not pass that much. And because, like, recently he was doing so well in the playoffs, people are going to be like, oh, he's going to keep this up. But there's no guarantee that he does. And in the regular season, I see the 49ers relying heavily on the run and on George Kittle. And as you can see, George Kittle does not score that many touchdowns. Like, he scored, like, five this year. And there's a reason for that. The reason is they get most of their touchdowns from the running game. So with George Kittle already taking some of the passing value from Debo Samuel, and maybe he'll run a couple jet sweeps, get a few yards, he'll be fine. But I don't see him being like a top 15 or maybe even a top 20 wide receiver next year for those reasons. Like, what do you think about Debo Samuel, Chris? Yeah, I just feel like there's so many. He's almost more of a kind of a a lot of what he did in the playoffs and for the 49ers was he was really good on like those jet sweeps and stuff, you know? Yeah. I just don't think there's enough room in that crowded backfield with Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida and even Jerick McKinnon, who I'm not sure if he's coming back for 2020. Probably not. There's no yeah. way. Yeah, he's, he, he was expected to be okay, but he kind of just fell off. All right, and Chris, you get to end the show, even though I'm going to win. Uh, you get your bust. So, Amari Cooper? Yes, Amari Cooper it is. And there's just so much, like, stuff going on with the whole Dak Prescott on there's nothing sure in the uh Cowboys offense and I feel like that's really gonna hit hard on Amari Cooper because I I just don't I felt like Michael Gallup almost became like I I would trust Michael Gallup in a game more than Amari Cooper and Amari Cooper was doing awful towards the end of the season like Jason Garrett even had him benched for multiple of the games and I don't see how people can have someone that was benched last year at one point for being bad in like their top like six is like or like seven or eight. And so I don't have him that low because I still think he's a very good wide receiver. 
I'm not an 11, but I think there's a lot of room for him to go down depending on that situation in Dallas. Yeah, I put him at eight. And I think I agree with you that he can be inconsistent, but I think Dacian Garrett was mismanaging his pieces. And with the new coach uh, in Dallas, like I think he's just, Mike McCarthy, he's going to realize that Amari Cooper needs the ball. And he's going to give him – Mike McCarthy's experienced. He knows his stuff. So he's going to give Amari Cooper the ball, I feel like. And mm-hmm. so with that, we will wrap up our show. And so that was the first ever episode of Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. So come back soon for more. And uh, we will have more podcasts coming out soon. I think we might put some podcasts beside that's ours about stuff besides football. We might post them on our channel. And we'll definitely have one after the draft about rookies. Yeah. And so, soon enough, you'll most likely be able to find our podcast in places like Apple and Spotify and Google Podcasts and places like that. Yeah, we are working on and that. If- and, of course, on the, the Podbean app, which, yes. which is where we host our podcast. And if you somehow got access to this without seeing that channel, secondandgoalfantasy.podbean.com. Maybe you're listening to this if, if it's on Apple Podcasts by now. And then uh, you can uh, visit our website at sites.google.com slash view slash secondandgoalfantasy. So we have rankings and articles there. Touchdown Kirk has some nice articles, and I'll be coming out with more some as the season gets closer. So with that, I guess we'll end our show. And uh, thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.